Hello, this is the Young Gunners podcast from the Texas Young Lawyers Association. We cut through the noise and discuss practical tips and challenges facing new attorneys in Texas and in the United States. This episode, I am your host, Donald Delgado. I'm a lawyer in College Station at West Webb Auburn and Gentry, and I practice general commercial litigation. And today with me, I have Aaron Burke and Nicole Susan Kaplan. I'll let them introduce themselves. Here we've got uh, Aaron Burke. Aaron, you want to introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, Donald. Thanks for having us. My name is Aaron Burke. I'm the chair of the Texas Young Lawyers Association, and I practice in Dallas at the law firm Fee, Smith, Sharp, and Vitulo, and I do trial and litigation. Nicole? Hi, thanks again for having us. Um, my name is Nicole Susan Kaplan. I'm uh, here in Houston, and I am a senior associate at Reed Smith. I practice primarily energy litigation and also general commercial lit. Thank you. Um, and let's just kind of explain to uh, our listeners uh, how this podcast kind of came to be. Uh, all three of us uh, presented at the UT Civil Litigation conference a couple of months back and we were asked as millennials to give a CLE to non-millennials about millennials and so that's kind of how this uh, episode for this podcast came to be. Let's start off with uh, definitions that will help us kind of work in this podcast. The Pew Research Center uh, defines millennials as anyone born between 1981 and 1996. Post-millennials, Generation Z, there's anybody born between 1997 to the present. And then um, going backwards, we've got the baby boomers that were born between 1946 and 1964 and Generation X, which was born 1965 to 1980. So with all of these uh, generations that we've got in the workplace, Uh, It's easy to see how sometimes we may not see eye to eye uh, with other generations and, uh, frankly, how other generations may not understand us millennials. Uh, Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely think that um, generation gaps and different styles of communication and different work processes uh, can certainly lead to a difference in understanding if you're not cognizant of trying to communicate with people that may be different from you. And, and frankly, I mean, I know we're focused on sort of the generational issue, but I think that anytime you have some sort of diversity in the workplace, you have to think through how you communicate with folks um, and, and recognize that not everyone comes from a similar background or similar experiences and things are going to be a little bit different. Sure, I agree. Generally, the, the millennial uh, kind of gap, so to speak, you see and for folks that work for me or with me and then folks that I work for whether it's a client or other partners of mine that I work with I certainly see differences in communication that you you can attribute I think primarily to the difference in understanding for millennials even even I think Nicole and I who were probably born on the the, the early end of the millennials uh, we grew up with technology. We grew up with uh, more of a uh, kind of a rush focus, respond in 15 minutes kind of a, 
a mentality, especially in the workplaces we developed, uh, and text messages, you know, with, with clients and with uh, other attorneys have become prolific almost. So uh, you, you definitely see differences. So as millennials, um, I'm also on the early part of the millennial uh, spectrum. Um, so as millennial lawyers and, and, and firms, um, you know, uh, how do we overcome some of these common stereotypes? And, and let's just get down to it. What are some of the common stereotypes that we hear of millennials? Well, we hear that we're lazy and self-centered, right? Uh, we hear that we're uh, uh, entitled and that we don't know how to communicate. So uh, what we want to do here today is maybe give some practical tips as to how to inform, overcome these stereotypes so that uh, other people, uh, whether it be a partner, a boss, um, whomever, uh, have a better understanding of um, where we're coming from. So let's tackle the first stereotype, lazy and self-centered. Uh, uh, you know, Aaron, do, do you have any uh, practical tips to, to give to our listeners about how do we overcome this uh, stereotype? Sure, and I, you know, I don't walk around, I don't think, with a chip on my shoulder worrying about uh, whether folks see me as lazy or self-centered. I do, you, you certainly see it, and I think one of the things that, uh, especially older generations, they see when they're working with folks that are our age is, well, he's not in the office or she's not in the office. Uh, they must be, you know, taking time off from work. And I think that that is often far from the truth. We may touch on this some later, but uh, for example, I, I work from my iPad all the time, uh, whether it's redlining documents or emailing or I, I don't, when I'm in the office, I will work. However, that doesn't mean I stop working when I leave the office. Oftentimes, I'm up early, early in the morning. I, you know, I'm working on red lines, those kinds of things. So if you, uh, you don't have to brag, your, brag or pat yourself on the back necessarily in front of older generations, but if they realize what you're doing out of the office, I think that certainly goes a long way to helping them understand this generation does not work just within the four corners of an office. And I've, I've certainly, I probably build more time out of the office than I do in, frankly. And Aaron, just to pick up on that note, you know, something I've noticed, I've been practicing now eight years in the big law context, if you will. And I think what's important for associates and lawyers starting out to realize is you kind of have to earn your credibility. And so to negate these quote unquote stereotypes, like. Because I work a lot out of the office. I come in mid-morning sometimes because I'm working from home. Um, I'm often traveling for work or taking depositions. And I don't think, hopefully, um, anyone questions my work ethic or my commitment. But I think given that I'm more senior as an associate, I have that credibility. Whereas when you're a first or second year, especially because you're trying to build relationships with the people that you're working with um, as well as your credibility it's really probably more important to have a bit more face time in the office and and do some of the more traditional things that were expected by sort of the generation above us and, and work in a more similar fashion to how they may have worked um, until you've built that credibility and also build those key relationships where they no longer question whether you're 
victim of some of the stereotypes created, I think, largely by pop culture of millennials, you know? They, when they know that you're at your desk and, and not at home taking a nap because you're, you've been productive, um, that might mean the next year you have a little bit more flexibility to work away from the office or, or fill your schedule a little bit differently. One thing that I've, this is just a purely practical tip, I'm very diligent about my out of office. I don't, don't check me on this, sometimes I don't get it right, but I will usually, if I'm traveling for trial or litigate, you know, uh, depositions or mediations, what have you, I will put that in my out of office reply. And that way, if other attorneys are emailing me in my office or clients, they'll have an immediate response that says, hi, I'll be out of the office for depositions today and won't be able to immediately access my emails or phone. And I think that goes a long way to showing, hey, I'm out of the office, but I'm actually working. Yeah, you know, that's so funny you mentioned that because I remember being a, a young lawyer, first or second year, um, and getting very contrary advice from a very senior partner about the out-of-office outlook message. So if there's one thing to take from this podcast is that everyone's going to have 18 different opinions about how you should do your job and, and be successful. So, you know, pick and choose what works for you. But to that point, I was told, you know, I was very diligent about my out-of-office and how I was going to be gone for a doctor's appointment or taking that Friday for a long weekend or... Um, in a deposition or what have you, I put my out of office up and I was told, stop putting it up. You have your Blackberry. At the time I had a Blackberry. Um, <laughs> and you're going to respond to the email. Just be responsive. Even if you're out of the office, and stop putting the out of office up because it creates the illusion that you're not available. And availability is such a key commodity um, for young associates. So, Well, and, and I think you kind of both men- touched on it. it you also have to read the culture of the firm, right? I mean, um, just because it works in one way uh, may not work in the other way. Like you said, you, you practice in a large firm. Uh, that may not translate the same in a, in a smaller firm. Well, and right? frankly, it may not translate from partner to partner. And I think that's one thing that makes um, our job difficult is you can work and develop a certain style and, and working relationship with one person that is, or even one client um, that is entirely different um, than what then the expectations a different client or a different um, supervisor may have of you and um, it really is on the person you're working for because we're in client services for for us to ad- adapt to their needs and you know I switched firms about halfway through my career and I found that I, that the writing style at each firm was entirely different and I had to rework how I write um, and and just the, the whole way of practice culturally was really really different um, the other stereotype we like to give some practical tips to try to overcome is that stereotype of an entitlement. Um, you know, I think pop culture has kind of let everybody believe that we are entitled, that we feel this self a sense of entitlement, and sometimes it's presented as we grew up with participation trophies, right? We um, we we were given everything, but. Uh, I, in doing some reading uh, about uh, you know this topic in preparation for for the podcast, I uh, I read something that was interesting and really uh, I think hits home is that well we grew up with parents who wanted to give us everything that they didn't have growing up you know uh, we grew up with 
people championing us and and saying you can do whatever it is that you want to do or you can be whatever it is that you want to be um and so maybe that's true we do feel like we deserve um what we do but it's not because we're not working hard or we're not putting in the the time so how do you guys think that uh, a young lawyer who's just starting off can uh, overcome this sense of entitlement stereotype what what can they do I've always taken the approach that you can always outwork the other side. You know, if, if you're in an adversarial role, you can always outwork the other side. Time's a very precious commodity in this uh, line of work, and frankly, most of them. But uh, that's one way I think you can overcome it. Uh, another is just showing appreciation, even in the small things. Uh, I try with with my staff, my paralegals my secretary, from them to the court staff to the, you know, other attorneys. It doesn't hurt you, even in a contentious battle, to say, you know what, I really appreciate the professional courtesy, and uh, I promise you, you will all, any four of my, myself, we'll all need those professional courtesies in the future, so I think that goes a long way to overcoming that kind of tendency for folks that think that millennials think they're entitled to whatever they're getting. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think, Aaron, you hit the nail on the head. Um, that work ethic is, is everything. And I would, on some of the softer skills, I would certainly suggest humility. Um, as young lawyers, we, no matter how good we may think we are or um, can be or how much work we've put into something, um, I think that there's just tremendous value in showing that you what you don't know and recognizing that there's a lot to learn from the paralegal or the legal secretary that's been at this for 20 years and and really having humility with everything you approach. You know, the first time that I draft a new type of document or take on a new project, I actually think it bodes well for me to tell the supervising attorney, I'm excited about this opportunity. I've never done this. And... Um, if you have any go-bys or anything I can look at or any advice, let me know. That accomplishes two things. One, it sort of sets expectations that I'm learning on the job. And two, it shows them that I don't think right off the bat that I that this is an opportunity I'm taking for granted. On that same token, I think um, as young lawyers, we're all eager for opportunities to be on our feet, whether it's in depositions or at the deal table or, or what have you, and we're taught to be vocal and ask for these opportunities you know um, can I argue at the hearing can I take the deposition and I would just say absolutely ask for the those opportunities but be sure you've done the legwork before you ask don't just ask um, when you've perhaps it's not your best work that you've put forward going forth if your draft of your motion was two days late that might not be the motion that you asked to argue um, but if you've written a stellar brief, go in and ask um, for that opportunity. And one of the things that I've, I've seen is um, employers or, or bosses say, well, um, everything nice that I do for these millennials, they just expect it, you know. Um, and, uh, for instance, uh, my little tidbit is just because you can do something doesn't necessarily mean that you should. Um, and going back to maybe working remotely and things like that, 
just because your firm has gives you uh, a, a, that chance and opportunity to, to, especially when you're starting off, going back to your point, Nicole, um, let them know, uh, let your partner know, let your manager know um, that you're going to do that. Um, you know, don't feel just because, well, the firm says that I can do it and I'm entitled to have it done. Well, yes, but that partner may not look so you know, well upon that. I, I've been thinking about something in the back of my mind that kind of um, hits on some of these aspects. And, and it is more particular, I think, to big law. But in the past few years, we've seen a lot of talk in big law about salaries and comp and bonuses. And my biggest piece of advice would be to take a step back, realize we get paid a lot of money to do a lot of hard work and bill a lot of hours, but don't be the associate in your firm that's always complaining about salary and bonuses and talking about it and stirring it up with the other associates. Just don't be that person. Um, One, you will come off as entitled. Um, Two, you'll come off as ungrateful. And three, it's just not a good position for you to be the person in the firm that seems to be kind of going against the grain and stirring things up. Of course, I'm not saying don't voice legitimate concerns, but in this whole big law, who's matching what salary and getting what bonus and what have you, I just think it's it's an interesting conversation. Follow it, but don't be the voice in your firm um, stirring things up on that if you really want to be focused on the work and um, becoming a better lawyer. Don't get distracted by all of that. It's not going to bode well for you. Um. And, and the common thing that I keep hearing uh, through this is, is communication, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's you, you got to communicate these things. But, uh, you know, ironically enough, that's one of the, the, the stereotypes that, that I've seen uh, about millennials is, is that we just, we don't communicate or we don't communicate well. Um, I think part of that is just that we communicate differently, right? We grew up with... I don't know about you guys, but I remember getting on AOL Instant Messenger and, dial up. and yeah, with the dial-up and, and chatting with 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 my friends. And so um, sometimes we don't communicate the same way that that our, our bosses or managers uh, do. Do you guys have any tips on maybe how to overcome this particular stereotype? I certainly do on this. I, I am a very much a FaceTime person when it comes to important meetings. And I think, you know, as a trial lawyer especially, our job is really to teach, whether it's the jury or judge, um, we need to teach. And so to teach, and I was a teacher before I went to, to law school. Me too. Uh, you I, were, know, yeah. I, I taught third, fourth, fifth grade science and social studies. Uh, but I, I was a teacher before I went to law school. You don't teach the way you want to necessarily teach, you teach the way that the students are most likely to learn. And I think that that goes just as much for the people that you work with at your firm. And so if you have a boss that's an older generation, recognize that he or she probably wants FaceTime discussions and or pick up the phone and call them, don't text them or shoot them an email on important topics. So I know that that can be a frustration for older generations where younger generations would rather text because they can answer it at any time, at any place, for any reason. Um, But I've noticed that. And so if you're sensitive to the fact 
that your job is to do the best job communicating that you can as an attorney, whether you're in front of a judge or jury or in front of your boss or your, your partners or your associates that work for you, it is so it will be so much better for your career and you will be much more effective and efficient, it seems to me, if you just use the humility that we talked about a minute ago and communicate the way that they're most likely to receive that information and really internalize it. Yeah, I would build directly off of that and say, you know, look for cues from the people you're working with or for um, as to how they want you to communicate or how they communicate and try to model that style. Um, for instance, every time I give an assignment or something is complicated and I'll send an email, recently in the past couple of years, the partner I work for the most will sometimes say, why don't you just give them a call and make sure they really understand this? And, and that just doesn't come naturally to me because I'm not a phone person. I'm an emailer, I'm a texter, you know, what have you. Um, and from that, I've, I've learned, even if it's just a check-in phone call, um, that, that it really does help to just have a verbal conversation with someone because things are lost via email. And, you know, so that's probably without her teaching that to me, something I wouldn't have picked up in my normal practice or normal daily activity. And now I do that. So I would just say there's, and again, in keeping with this humility theme, um, if you just open your eyes and, and look at how other people handle things and other people communicate, um, so much to learn about different communication styles. And I mean, to Aaron's point um, about being a teacher, recognizing that no matter who you are, what generation, everybody communicates differently um, and, and really trying to understand the best way to work with that person or delegate work or responsibilities to someone else will help you get the best work product back, which will in turn be make your life a lot easier. Well, and, and to follow up on, on the points that you guys are making, um, it sounds like we as millennials have a lot of knowledge of the various modes and types of communication that are available um, to communicate with, with various people, including clients um, and other, other people. So uh, we may be a value uh, in terms of client retention, uh, obtaining clients, because uh, we, we may be able to communicate with the millennial owner of a company or something. Um, and and a, a, as a trial lawyer, you know, uh, electronic discovery, e-discovery is huge now. Um, maybe you can leverage uh, some of your knowledge of these communication modes um, in that way and make yourself an asset uh, to, to your boss or to your partner to a case. Do you guys have anything like to add? Well, I mean, Donnie, you mentioned something when we, the last time we did the CLE that kind of got me, the wheels start turning, and I don't, I don't know when this would be relevant to a case of mine, but I'm always going to keep it in the back of my mind, but you started talking about all the smart technology that's out there um, that other people may not think about in a place to check for data and, um, and ask for when we do requests for productions, like a smart fridge and... Um, and different monitors, what have you. I don't even and know, but people threw out all these apps and what have you, so frankly, being on the, on the cusp of a millennial, I may be relying on some younger folks to teach me these things, but um, I would say that there's a whole world out there of electronic communication that may be pertinent to cases um, that folks my age, and, and especially those that are older, wouldn't even think about to check to get crucial information for our cases. And I think towards, for, 
on that point, you've got, I think the strategy and good advice for any young attorney that's really trying to cut their teeth at their firm and make themselves indispensable, whether it's two people or 2,000, is if you show that you are the expert on certain topics, whether it's e-discovery or whether it's a Daubert motion or Robinson motion in Texas, if you can show you're that expert, soon you'll get a name for it and you'll have not just the people that you work directly for or with reaching out to you, but you may have new clients or you may have uh, other attorneys in your firm calling you for the phone a friend, so to speak, and you'll be handling those hearings next, you know, so that's a good way to, to develop a practice and become indispensable for, to your firm. Well, guys, I think that is all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much to Nicole and to Aaron for joining me in this podcast, and I hope that you guys learned a little bit of something on how to overcome these negative stereotypes that we keep hearing, but uh, hopefully you can put a positive spin onto it and make these positive stereotypes. So thank you for your time, and until next time.